Good morning, church. Do you reckon we can do that louder? Good morning, church. All righty, just, just a, slight, a slight warning. There may be an opportunity to wake children that are asleep or people that want to doze off in the sermon in the course of the sermon. So just letting you know, it may or may not happen. Now, it's been one of those weeks, COVID, flooding, and our thoughts, if you're watching or you're here, thoughts are really with you if you're suffering from either or influenced by either. And the announcements um, Caitlin was making, um, take up the opportunity. Let's, let's get in there and support them. Um, okay, I want to start and see what we've got here. Okay, will we get... There we go. Now, as you can tell, this is a while ago. Um, about 15 years ago, this was my beautiful... Uh, Jess and, and our beautiful little dog, Gracie. This was, I think, her first day she um, came home with us, and you can see in her eyes the total fear, because she doesn't know. She's just been taken away. Um, then... Uh, sure if I am breaking it or not. Okay, can we go for the next one? Sorry. This, this is her again. I think um, it's pre-collar. Pre Beautiful little puppy. Um, we got her 15 years ago. In late August last year, this near 15-year-old dog, done pretty well. Eyesight was going, hearing was going, um, but she'd held up a lot a lot better and a lot longer than um, other dogs that, that my sister had and other friends had. But then she had a couple of falls and she injured herself. She may have had some other complications. And for a few days, she was not eating, she was not even getting up. I would, I would carry her to her bowl in a water. And you know something's wrong with a Labrador when they will not eat, even if you carry them. And it was really, really sad. I, I tried just keeping her sustenance up by getting a little bit of bread and and wetting it and putting some crushed bickies on it. But the pain was too, too much. So when... Sorry. Um, when I told Jess that I'd booked the appointment at the vet, and I was doing what I'm doing now, but much more so, I was... She had been part of our family. And my older boys, we explained to them, or we explained to all three of our boys, that the pain was too much. She was in pain, she couldn't eat, and she was not likely to get better. And we needed to do something for her. And then my boys start crying. We took her down to the vet. My, my youngest didn't quite get it. Two days later, he... He um, said, Dad, because we'd use the term putting to sleep, Dad, is Gracie, is Gracie lying on her bed at the vet and having a sleep? When is she coming home? It's sad. My boys were crying. Jess and I were crying. And this is what sucks about this life, isn't it? We have pets, and even worse, we have friends and loved ones that that go away. I've had a sister that's passed, I've had many friends that have, that have died. And then we also have friends that move away. 
Now, with, with regards to the dog, Jess and I had spoken a long time before Jay, Gracie had passed that we wanted to be a dog family, we wanted another dog, we wanted our boys to grow up with that, and we'd spoken about what type of dogs we would get. It just so happened that we spoke to some friends who actually had the type of dog we were looking at, and I said, oh, the breeder we, we bought our dog from has just had a new litter. Well, actually, the dog had a litter, not the breeder. It's good to have a laugh when you're crying a bit, sorry. Um, give him a call. So we gave him a call and, yes, they just had a new litter. So we, Jess and I, were really excited. But we're, we're some of these sick parents that like to have surprises and keep good surprises secret from our kids. And then we can just surprise them. So Jess and I are just, okay, we've got to go check it out. And we, we're making contact and, all right, at six weeks you can come and check things out. So we went and checked them out and we fell in love with one of the dogs. But the kids don't know. Shh. We'd even covered it up. We were going on a date and my mother was, was looking after the kids while we went and checked out the dog and we picked it. But we've got three more weeks because we can't pick it up until just before it's nine weeks old. And the boys, we told them that we were going to get another dog at some point in time. We just didn't know when and we didn't know what type of dog. And so they, they, kept, they kept asking the question. So consistently over this time period, oh, Dad, are we going to get another Labrador? Yeah, maybe. When? We'll see. Oh, Dad, are we going to get another dog? Yeah, I think we are. It's not sure when. Dad, are we going to get another dog? Yes. Dad, are we going to get a cat? <laughs> and so at that point in time, I realised I'd failed as a parent. <laughs> Sorry, jokes. We're... <laughs> Don't want to offend all your cat owners. Um, down at the farm, my, uh, Jess's parents' farm, they've got a dairy farm. And as you know, with dairies, they often feed a lot, a lot of grain to, to um, the cows. And so they've got to avoid rodent problems, you need lots of cats. So almost every second time we go to the farm, the boys have got a new litter of kittens they're playing with, and they just love cats. Just not at my house. Um, so the boys are keen, and Jess and I are literally crossing off the days because we're so excited, but we can't tell, otherwise it will ruin the surprise. And then one day, we throw the boys in the car, and we drive. Where are we going, Dad? Once again, I'm one of those sick parents that won't tell them. We're, you'll find out. And we get there. And they hop out the car, and a couple of puppies come running. And they were just so excited. And let's see if this works now. Now, this, this was their first day back. This is, this is Georgie, and she has well and truly become part of our family. This is um, a photo that was taken this morning. Next one. This is Chase is on the case, and the boys are in superhero stuff. She is well and truly part of our family, and we're, we feel like we're complete family again. But that sense of loss and the sense of Losing loved ones is real, and it's part of life. Now, Jesus addressed this before he was crucified. He wasn't talking about when he was going to die at this point in time. He, spoke, he was speaking in advance of when he went back to heaven. He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Now, if you're familiar with the King James, it says many mansions. This is more appropriate, because in the Capernaum area, 
They had a central courtyard with lots of house, uh, lots of rooms around it. When one of the sons would get married, him and his dad would build and prepare a new house. And when it was done, he would bring his bride back and there'd be another room around the central forecourt. So in our father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Is that good news? Is that something good to look forward to? Now, Christians have looked at this and thought about this and contemplated this since Jesus said it. So we're going to spend some time um, looking through this and, and, and pulling apart what the Bible tells us about Jesus coming back. So the first question I want to ask is, who is coming? Maybe I should just say, can we go next slide? I look a bit silly just holding my hand up pointlessly. Um, okay, so... 40 days after Jesus was raised back to life, he spent 40 days with the disciples. He told them everything that was coming. He's sharing a lot of stuff. And then they go up to Mount of Olives and he's taken up before them and then the clouds come up around him. And while the disciples are sitting and looking there, they were already starting to feel the loss. He's not dead, but he's not physically with them. And he said, and as they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken, in, taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. There's two points I want to just drill down there. It's the same Jesus. Now, which Jesus was this? This was the Jesus. He was physical. He was real. He wasn't some ethereal being. After Jesus raised to life, the disciples, some of them were scared that he was a ghost. I am not a ghost. Bring me some food. So they gave him some fish and he ate it. I am a real person. When Thomas said, I won't believe it until you put the finger in, in the marks, he, Jesus brought out his, the marks and he pulled out his side and Thomas could touch him physically. This was the same Jesus. The same Jesus that went out of his way to, to speak to the woman at the well. The same Jesus that stopped to talk to Zacchaeus. Can we go to our next slide? Okay, now this is... Thanks for uh, stealing my thunder earlier on, um, Caitlin, with your lovely Rolex story. Um, I've got an awesome Tag Heuer watch. I got, not from, not from Thailand, that's just so pov. Um, <laughs> Turkey. It only cost me 15 million Turkish lira, which was $40 at the time. It's a really, really awesome watch. Um, if you go to the next slide, like it's, it's weighty, it feels good. At the back, it's got one of those clear backs. And, and you can actually see it, it moving. You almost, I wanted to almost put the band on backwards so I could actually see, see the mechanics of it moving around. It, it's, it's really good. It's weighty. Um, the, uh, the second hand actually goes around. Um, who needs minute and hour hands these days? Um, and I know some of you guys with newfangled analogue watches like to have the date on there. Well, this has got the date as well, but it's just a sticker. Um, but I suppose it's right once a month. 
This is not genuine Tag Heuer. I thought I was on such a good deal. Um, it's not. And if we go to the next slide, one of the... Same Jesus is coming back, not another one. Not a Jesus that, that pretends to be someone else that tells you something that's not in the Bible. Interestingly enough, it's like the assumption is there's going to be a lot more deception than there is going to be truth in regards to Jesus coming back. So the same Jesus is coming back. Let's go to our next slide, please. So the question is, who is going to see Jesus um, coming back? Next slide, thank you. Okay, now we're not going to read through these because there's so much content. And if you're really interested, you want, you want um, uh, an actual pack. There's heaps of good second coming Bible studies online. You're welcome to make contact with myself or one of the pastors and get your hands on this or something similar. But let's just quickly go. What is this going to look like, okay? When Jesus comes back, are you going to see it? Are we all going to see it? So Revelation 1-7, he's going to come with the clouds. Notice that's the same as what men of Galilee, he's going to go in like manner. He's going to come back in like manner. So with the clouds, Jesus went up with the clouds. He's going to come back with the clouds. Every eye will see. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes I will see a news report or on social media say, all of Australia is shocked by what happened in insert silly reality TV show. All of Australia is shocked by what this person did yesterday. I'm just thinking, does anyone in Australia actually watch this? And you read news reports overseas, it's like there's, a, there's an Australian basketball or somewhere. It's like, oh, all of America is going crazy for this Australian basketball player. I'm just like, there's some good Australian basketball players, but most of the time, no one outside of the, the, the fans that actually support that team know about this player. What does this mean? Oh, can we go back slide? Um, Every eye will see. Well, every eye will see. It's not TV. It's real. It's up in the air. He's going to come with all the angels, Matthew 25 says. Now, if you read Revelation 4 and 5 and other parts of Revelation, there's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels. The Greeks didn't have too many numbers bigger than 10,000. So it's millions and millions of angels. Now, is that, are you going to be able to notice millions and millions of, of angels? When Jesus was resurrected, one angel came and 50 hardened Roman soldiers dropped down like they were dead. And these guys don't do that. If they were found sleeping on the job, on duty, they would be killed. So this one angel had enough brightness to almost knock down 50 men. When you've got millions and millions, you're going to see it. Jesus is going to come with the Father's glory from Matthew 16. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven, up in the air. And then Matthew 24, 27 says, As the lightning comes from the east and is visible in the west, you're going to be able to see it no matter where you are. Does the Bible seem to indicate that this is a very visible experience? Are you going to see it? Okay, let's move on to our... So what is going to happen? Okay, we've got some... we're going to dig into four awesome verses here. Okay, first one. Next slide, thank you. First Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, 
King James Version says, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is the voice that created, it spoke into being the universe. It's spoken to being all the animals and all creation. And this voice, when it speaks loud, the dead will rise. Is that really cool? I can't hear you. Is that really cool? Okay, there's a shout. Now, can, let, let's try this. Can we try a shout? Okay, on the count of three, let's just make some noise. Not too long, just for a second, okay? Apologies if, if you're trying to sleep through the sermon or if... Actually, I apologise to the children um, that are trying to sleep. So, one, two, three. Shout! Oh, let's try that again. One, two, three. Okay, can we hear that? Is it going to be audible? You can't hear now, I suppose. People are screaming to you. It's very loud. There's a trumpet call of God. I was hoping they would have a bit of an orchestra in the band today because I was going to get the person to play, but no. Okay, so let's move on to our next one. Continuing on, verse 17 and 18. After that, we who are still alive and left, they're left behind, will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So notice, dead people that love God will be raised at the second coming. Then we, if you love God and you're looking forward to him, you'll be caught up to meet them in the clouds as well. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. If you've got loved ones that are past and you're looking forward to seeing them again, is that encouraging? It is. Now, I just want to tell you from my mum, my mum didn't grow up in this denomination. She grew up in another Bible-believing church. And she was told that you went to heaven when you died. And this is one of the things that really pushed her over the edge um, because she's like, I believe the Bible... How can someone, the Bible consistently tells you that the living other know nothing, they don't worship God, and then how can someone be in heaven when they get raised to life at the second coming? How does that work? Okay, so let's go on to our next one. Matthew 24. Then there will appear a sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. So these are the people that are not looking forward to Jesus coming. They will mourn uh, and come into the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather the elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So we're going to meet the Lord in the air. How do we get to the air? Our angels are going to come and pick us up. If you're looking forward to seeing Jesus, if you love Jesus, your angel is going to come and gather you up. That's pretty exciting. Now let's go to the next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep. Now, the Bible uses the term consistently or regularly for sleep for die, sleep in the grave. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trump. Notice that it continually talks about the last trump. This is the same time frame. For the trump will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. They will not be able to perish or die again. And we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Now, you guys are a fine-looking group of people, but I can guarantee you, all of you need new bodies and perfect bodies. Are you looking forward to that day? Because I am. No offence. More offence at me than anyone else. 
But it's at that point in time where God is going to change us. We will be given immortal bodies. We will have sinless bodies. It would be awesome. Let's move on to our next slide, please. So, um, who and what is going to be left behind? Now, I, just before I do this, I, I just want to... There's an elephant maybe in the room. Maybe some of you guys... And I'm not talking about myself. Um, there's an elephant in the room with regards to Seventh-day Adventists. You may have realised this and may have not. There's often so much angst and anxiety about bad things that are going to happen near the end of time. And that is never the focus of the Bible. And my point of showing the next few slides is not for fear or worry or concern. It's just to show what is going to actually be left after the second coming, once God takes everyone, okay? So I, what I'm trying to get across today is this is something to look forward to, not to be afraid of. Does that make sense? So let's, let's move on to our next slide. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, everyone else, both slave and free, hid in the caves amongst the rocks of the mountains. They called on the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath, of, the wrath of the Lamb. Notice they're in caves and they can still see the brightness of his coming. There's no escaping it. They are petrified. Let's move on to our next slide. The heavens receded like a scroll rolled up. This is at the second coming. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now, in the Bible, it talks about three heavens. If you've heard of the Bible talking about seven heavens, that's, well, New Age, the occult. The Bible doesn't talk of seven heavens. It's three heavens. The first heaven is your atmosphere. We often, you're familiar with that being a heaven in the... Then there's where the stars and the planets are, the second heaven, and then there's where Jesus lives, which is the third heaven. So the heavens, the atmosphere will recede like a scroll being rolled up. Can you visualise that? Maybe like the start of the original Independence Day, if you can remember that, but much more. The, the atmosphere rolls back. Every mountain and island is removed from its place. This is fully earth-changing. Let's move on to our next slide. I looked at the earth and it was formless and void. Notice that wording. That's the same wording that's used in Genesis chapter 1 before the creation. Earth is going back to what it was like before creation, after the second coming. And at the heavens and their light was gone. I looked at the mountains and they were quaking. The hills were swaying. Perpetual earthquake. Plate tectonics gone sick. Um, I looked and there were no people. But this is not before the creation because it says, and every bird in the sky had flown away. There had been people. There had been birds. They're gone. I looked and the fruitful land was a desert. All its towns were ruins. And before the Lord and his fierce anger. Does this look like a place you want to hang out in? Let's move to the next slide. At that time, those slain by the Lord will be everywhere from one end of the earth to the other. They will not be mourned or gathered or buried, but will be like dung lying on the ground. Next slide, please. So, once again, the Bible calls this time God's strange act, amongst others. It's there's not going to be anything here. There's not going to be a thriving society. Why do I tell you that? Because one of the most common beliefs in evangelical circles is a belief um, called the secret rapture. You've heard that? 
it is very common. I want you to be aware that the Bible does not support it. There's a few, a few verses, and we'll touch on them quickly, which are taken out of context. But just because it's a surprise doesn't mean it's secret. If, if millions of angels are going to be there, it's not a secret. It may have been a surprise, but it's not a secret. If there's a, a shout and a trumpet so loud that dead people hear it and wake up, it's not a secret. It may be a surprise, but it's not a secret. Okay, so the earth is going to be formless and void. It's basically going to go back to the way it was before creation. So when is the second coming thing going to happen? Let's roll to the next slide, please. Okay, mandatory war story when, when I'm preaching. Apologies if you don't like war stories. It's probably not appropriate at the moment with what's happening. But I want to share this story because it's pertinent to what we're talking about. Erwin Rommel was, I would say, probably one of the, the best, if not the best, German general, fighting general of World War II. Um, he was not um, political, as far as we can tell, but he was a good general. He had the ability, with inferior numbers, inferior resources, inver inferior um, information, to just totally decimate the opposition. In, in North Africa, he held off the British again and again and continually beat them until Montgomery came because he was an exceptional general. He used limited resources really, really effectively. In fact, when, when Montgomery, the new English general, got to, to North Africa, he noticed that all his key soldiers on the English side were just talking constantly about Erwin Rommel like he was their hero. He had that, in, that much of an impact. He was a really good general. In 1944, um, Europe had sort of moved back. Let's go to the next slide. This, the red is Nazi-controlled Europe, Fortress Europe, before D-Day. And Erwin Rommel was put in um, charge of the defences in part of the Normandy and other parts of France to try to stop the Allies landing. They knew this was coming. Now, let me just show you this. Apologies if you can't see quite. So that blue thing up there, that's England, if you didn't know. And this little thing here is Normandy. That's where the D-Day landings were going to happen. Now, the Allies put so much effort into trying to disguise where it was going to go because there's a spot right opposite England, really close, and they made sure that Hitler thought that's where they were going to attack. The Germans knew it was coming, but they didn't know where, and they didn't know when. Erwin Rommel had been on the ground for over a year, I believe, building defences, putting in places for soldiers and, and putting cannon to shoot down the beaches so that when amphibious vehicles landed, they could take them out. He knew how to handle this kind of attack, because if you can get, within a few hours, tanks, a tank battalion down on the beach, you can decimate the opposition, D-Day would have not happened. The world would be a very different place um, now. They'd be thrown back in the sea. So Erwin Rommel is there. He doesn't have the best resources. He doesn't have um, air cover because the Allies totally control the air. But he's done the best he can and he's probably one of the best people around to stand up to Hitler and say, give me the tanks. What ha happened is Hitler wouldn't release the tanks and for days and days the Allies had safety. So the Allies had finally settled on June the 5th, 1944 for D-Day. The reason was 
the moon was the right size, the tides were at low tide when the moon was full. So you could attack in the early morning safely, you can have the light of the moon, um, but you're at low tide, so you have plenty of beach to be safe. But, like last week, this part of all the European coast started getting massive storms. That year was, um, I've, heard, I've read that a lot of people thought it was like the worst storms that ever had in that part of the world, and they really kicked in on the 4th of June, the day before they planned to attack, and the 5th was so bad, the Allies called off for 24 hours. Now, Erwin Rommel had his best meteorologist. Um, no, I can't, I can't mention uh, what happened in Queensland on the other day. Um, and the meteorologist said, the storm is definitely coming. It's going to be here. All our measures are saying this is um, going to be here for the next four or five days. There's no way amphibious vehicles can attack. Because if you've got a storm and big waves, those flat-bottom boats tip over and you've got literally tens of thousands of soldiers that drown. There's no other way out when you've got a big pack. So it can't happen. Now, so Erwin Rommel says, OK, we're safe for a couple of days. It's my wife's birthday. I'm going to pop on a train or a car back to Germany and spend a couple of days with my wife. And he made a good decision to a point. But the British had two things. They had an even better meteorologist and because they controlled North America, Iceland and Britain, they could do weather measurements on the weather that was a day away, two days away, and they knew it was coming and there was going to be a two to three day gap and then the storm was going to kick in worse than ever. They went ahead with D-Day. There was a gap. It was a total surprise to Erwin Rommel. He wasn't there. Because he wasn't there, no one was able to stand up to Hitler to release the tanks, to hit the beaches, and D-Day got established. And the world is a different place because of that. So, what's the point of that lovely story? Let's go to our next slide. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, people eating, drinking... People were getting married, buying properties. The Bible doesn't say those things were bad. It it's not bad to get married. It's not bad to eat. It's not bad to um, live life. But the point is they were not focusing on what was really important, which was the, uh, the flood was about to come. It's the same thing with the end of time. People will be marrying. They will be um, eating and drinking. They will be buying properties and other things. They'll be doing their jobs. Jesus focuses. We need to be aware. We need to be focused on Jesus coming back. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour when the Lord will come. Let's go to a, the next one. Similar one here. For you uh, know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Let's ask the question again. Um, it's a surprise like a thief. Does that mean it's a secret? Once a thief is there, if they're trashing your house... It may be a surprise that they turned up, but it's no longer a secret because if they're making a lot of mess. Um, and then, but you, brothers and sisters, you believers are not in darkness so that this day surprises you like a thief. God has given us some signs. Let's move to the next one. Um, and this is Peter, 2 Peter 3. Um, since, every, like, once again, the, it's going to be a surprise, there's going to be lots of destruction. 
What sort of people ought you to be? This is what Peter's asking us today. What sort of people should we be? You ought to be holy, live holy and godly lives. Now, my focus on, on this today is not so much that you've got to feel guilty about not being good enough. Because guess what? I'm not good enough. And look around. Every single person you see in this church is not good enough. You're not holy enough. You're not godly enough. Do you understand that? But we need to live godly and holy lives. How does that happen? Let's move on to our next slide. Okay, really, we're running out of time. Um, but Matthew 24 lists a bunch of signs. So there's false Christ, false prophets, wars, famines. Um, the Luke version of this passage talked about pestilences. Um, we've got love of many will grow cold, earthquakes, all manner of things. Now, what Jesus then does here, and you need to put this in context, is these are the beginning of the birth pains. So I remember being in Newcastle when we had the 5.5, we're still alive, earthquake back in, oh, was it before the time of computers? Um, and I remember Adventists were talking about this is a sign, and it was. Not that he was coming immediately, but things will pick up. And as, as time goes by, wars and earthquakes and pestilences will get more and more like labour pains. But what is the ultimate sign? Let's move on to the next one, please. The ultimate sign that we can actually do anything about is and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole earth as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come things are going to get worse more and more wars more and more pestilences but the gospel will go to all the world let's go to our next slide so you may be thinking give me my 25 minutes back why have you shared that and if it's more than 25 minutes I apologise because, well, you saw the quality of my watch. I've got no idea what the time is. <laughs> I suppose... Oh, it's t where is it? Yeah. It's, it's telling me I've still got half an hour. <laughs> okay, so the point of this is, why have you wasted our time, John? It's interesting information. Is there something we should do with it? Is there something we could take away with it? Now, first of all, the first thing I want to say is, there's a number of main theories amongst Christians about how Jesus will come back. One is the secret rapture, okay? Um, so because it comes like a thief in the night, it's going to be secret. The, did um, those verses we read about the second coming look like they're going to be secret? Um, and it's based on a couple of verses we won't go into in depth here, but basically it's saying two will be in a bed, one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be grinding... Um, grain, one will be taken, one will be left. And you've, has everyone heard of the books or the Left Behind movies? Well, just want to ruin their um, theology, even just on a word level, because if you read the, the Noah story that Jesus gives an, as an example, the ones that are left behind are Noah and his family. Those that were taken were not those that were safe. Those that were taken were swept away by the flood. So at the end of the time, those left behind will be those that will be in the clouds with Jesus, not those on the, on the planet. But the point of that is not, oh, I want to have an argument. The point is, the, sec um, the secret rapture has this idea that if you believe in God, you're taken away and then there's another either three and a half or seven years for you to choose Jesus. There is not another second chance. That's why it's dangerous and that's why I'm saying it's not biblical. But don't take my word from it. Research from the Bible. But when Jesus comes, that's it. 
If you haven't made your decision then, it's too late. The other, the other one, um, other common theory that Christians have about the second coming is that Jesus' coming is going to be a spiritual coming. He's not going to come physically. He's going to just pour out, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit coming in power, I'm talking about he's just going to make society better and better and better to the point that we're going to have heaven on earth. This is actually relatively common. It's been common about 200 years. It was very common. And there's parts of um, Christianity today where this is pretty common as well, that humanity is getting better, society is getting better. And um, not wanting to get myself cancelled, but if I look at the, the, our society, society is full of awesome people, but the veneer may be looking better, but it's lipstick on a pig. Our society is not getting better. Our world is not getting better. Please don't cancel me. <laughs> so the first point is, it's important to know how Jesus is coming back. Because why would Jesus have wasted time with his prophets and himself talking about it if it wasn't important? Now the second one is, let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is a parable Jesus gave. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and many wonders in your name? Have you not preached a good sermon where you got laughs? Have you not insert the ministry or the good thing you do? Did we not do that? And what does Jesus say? In the red, I can't hear you. One, two, three, what does he say in the red? I never knew you. Depart from me. Is that... Does that make, make the hairs on your neck sort of tinkle a bit? It doesn't matter what you do. And I'm not saying go and kill people. You can't be holy yourself. You can't be godly yourself. I'm not holy or godly. Just ask my family. I, can't, I cannot be good enough. I cannot do good stuff to have Jesus love me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. What counts? Knowing Jesus. If he knows you, you're in. Let's go to our next slide. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you know eternal life is not about the streets of gold. It's not about being able to wrestle with a lion, although that would be pretty cool. It's not about being able to fly around with an angel. It's about knowing the Father, knowing the Son and the Spirit. Does that make sense? Eternal life is about knowing God. So if you don't want to know him now, why would you want to know him for all of eternity? Does that make sense? What God wants is for you to know him and to be known by him. He knows everything, but he wants you to know. Now, um, I think, actually, can we go back one slide, sorry? Sorry, Layden. Okay, forward again, yeah. So, next slide. Okay, so this word know, by the way, to know you, is the same word in, in the Septuagint in the Old Testament. When they wrote um, Genesis in Greek, it's the same word, to know you. So, um, let's... Adam knew his wife and they had a child. It's not inappropriate. 
God wants to know us in an appropriate way, but so intimately, like a best friend that changes our life, and he wants us to be known by him. Let's move on to our next slide. So, let's, let's recap, and this is going to be audience response time before we wrap up. First of all, is Jesus coming back? What does the Bible say? Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Is it going to be loud? Yes. Are you going to be able to see it if you're alive? Yes. How many people are going to see it? Are you going to be saved if you're good enough? Is he going to call you up if you're godly enough, if you're holy? How is the only way you can be called up to the heavens with him when he comes? If you believe Jesus and you know him. So how do we know God and how can we be known by God? Now, we've had a full series on this and we don't have huge amount of time, but I want to just give you, and, and this is actually, like a lo- I don't know where you're at in your life. You may or may not have started experimenting with God. You might be trying different foods. You might be trying different careers or different sports. If you haven't tried God, I recommend you try it. And three quick things that have worked for me, and I recommend. First of all, number one, you need to take some time. Take time to read the Bible. Now, I know that can be really boring. Am I being too honest there? There's parts of the Bible that are really boring. You may not like the history stuff like me, and you'll be like... There's parts that I don't naturally connect with, but there's parts that will connect with you. So I recommend you look to the Bible and find something and spend some time reading it. Don't be stressed if you take five minutes to read two verses and you just think about it. Because you do that, you start building the habit of taking five minutes just reading part. Recommend the book of John. That's a great place to start. Not because of the name, but it's just an awesome book. And the name's pretty good too. Um, Take a couple of minutes a day. Just start building the habit of reading and thinking about what the Bible says. Now, That's where God speaks to you. So then speak back. Maybe you haven't felt like you've actually been able to do a prayer. I I know for myself, I prayed. I was in a Christian family. I grew up a Christian. But it wasn't until I was 21, 22 where the relationship just came alive with God. And I recommend you just try bite-sized prayers. Take some time. Turn off your technology. Take five minutes, two minutes, one minute. But just try to start doing it every day. Say, God, I don't know if you're real or not, but I want to know you if you are. Is that a simple one? Is that honest? I want to be known by you. If you do know God, I recommend you just keep the same things. Keep spending time in the Word and and spend time praying and just ask that God will help you to know Him more. Because you know what the Bible says? Abraham was a friend of God. Do you want to be a friend of God? You need to spend time with your friends. And how do you do that with God? You spend time listening and reading his word. Maybe, maybe um, listening to the Bible on, um, through Bible Gateway, the audio version works for you. Maybe reading. Just spend time listening to him and spend time praying to him. 
And finally, something that another challenge is get some people around you that are in the same similar stage and talk to them about God. Maybe it's a couple of friends you just say, this is the verse I found. Or this is what God's done to me today. These three things from my personal experience are ways that I feel I've got to know God more. I'm not there. I haven't arrived. It's a daily struggle. But God wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. So I I really recommend spend a little time in the Bible. Spend a few minutes praying. Let it build from there and spend some time talking to people about that.